coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We're going back in time, and we promise not to fall in love with our mothers. Can't be bothered to kill baby Hitler, but we can be bothered to talk about old video games. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Mark, how's it going? Feeling so good. Yeah? You ready to travel through time a little I bit? I am. A little bit. Dabble. Yeah. Yeah. Like, just, uh, you know, on The Adventures of Pete and Pete. You remember The Adventures of Pete and Pete? Mm-hmm. There's an episode where they are traveling through time due to daylight savings. Uh, they're going back in time one hour. And to prepare their bodies for this time travel, they eat a lot of cereal with riboflavin, because riboflavin is the time travel vitamin. As we all know. As we all know. Um, I didn't... Uh, I didn't eat anything special for this show, did you? I, I mean, we ate churros. We had those two churros, as discussed in the previous episode. Man, uh, what are what are our lives <laughs> where, where we eat some churros and we like, we got to talk about this twice. I mean, I'm sure fascinating. <laughs> Absolutely fascinating. Um, we've got, it's, it's a little bit of an abstract topic uh, this week, so um, we'll get to it in just a second. But before we do, if you want to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces for the Nintendo Switch, oh baby, can you? I know, you might feel like you're stuck in time. Right, right now, listening to us pitch the Sonic Forces borrowing program on an endless loop. But here's the thing. Yes. There's one way to break the pattern. And right. that's to get, get yourself on, on the list. list. Get yourself on the list, and then you won't be the Joseph Gordon-Levitt turning into Bruce Willis, and you will break out of the loop. Or, uh, you know, like Tom Cruise in that, in that movie where he keeps dying. Oh, right. Edge of Tomorrow. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Um, great. That was a good flick. Oh, if you want to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, you can email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com with a mailing address, and I send it there, and you play it, you send it back. It's uh, great. Um, Mark, should we get into the topic at hand? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Mark, why don't you set us up here? Yeah, so this week we're going to be talking about our favorite games from five 10, 20, and 30 years ago. That's right. So we were looking at games from 2014, yes, 2009, mm-hmm. 1999, and 1989. Now, in doing research for this, I felt old uh, when uh, researching games from 1999, but 1989, though I was uh, alive and like playing games and like thinking about games at that time, uh, feels like a long time ago to me 1999 and the games from 1999 don't feel like forever ago i couldn't me. believe that 2014 is five years ago 2014 first Half of all it's five years ago <laughs> <laughs> but one thing that i thought was super interesting when i was mm-hmm. doing research for this is i felt like each of these years really gave a good snapshot of like where nintendo was I I would I would say yes and no. I I I have I have some places here where I'm like, this is uh, this doesn't feel like a particularly demonstrative Nintendo year, um, especially in 2009, where like it, well, 
maybe maybe we'll... I totally we'll... disagree, but we'll get there. Perfect. Um, we will approach these things as we encounter them. Uh, so I assume that we should start uh, at the most recent and work our way backwards in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're starting in 2014. Um, it was the Nintendo 3DS mm-hmm. and, and the, the Wii, Wii U had been out for two years at this point. Right. Um, and the Wii U is in like an interesting place in that it is starting to push out some really great games. Um, that's when Smash 4 comes out. That's when Mario Kart 8 comes out. That's Captain Toad Treasure Tracker comes out that year. And also Super Mario 3D World came out in November of the year before. Um, this was the year that I got my Wii U. Um, I'm usually a like day one adopter for Nintendo consoles, um, but the Wii U, I, I didn't. Um, and like knowing that Smash was coming, Knowing that Mario Kart was on its way, that's when I was like, okay, I buy into this thing. And like this, the, for, for me, 2014 is the year of the Wii U. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because I also am a Nintendo diehard, obviously. But the Wii U, for whatever reason, out of the gate was not attractive at all. I mean, I just think it's really interesting that you and I, two very big Nintendo fans, yeah. neither of us like jumped on the Wii U immediately. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it's, it's, I'm so happy with my Wii U now. Um, like, I, 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 I love it. You know, I have been talking on episodes about how Sarah and I have been playing Super Mario 3D World. Um, that game is still incredible and it's still not on Switch. Um, and it has the, these two great Zelda HD remakes, um, that I know I'm going to revisit in, in the near future. Um, and like this, just for me, is the year of that system. So, also some interesting things that were released in 2014. Yes, Bayonetta two mm-hmm. came out that year. Um, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, yes, was finally released at the beginning of 2014. And then on the 3DS is when sh- this is when Shovel Knight was released. Okay, so you have now stumbled upon my game of the year for 2014, Shovel Knight. So. Well, uh, the Wii U was just knocking it out of the park, and like, there's a ton of good software on there. Shovel Knight is one of those games, um, and Shovel Knight for me uh, was the most fun I had playing a game that year. And it's a game that uh, was first released on June 26, 2014, which was five years ago yesterday. Um, and the final like pack of content for it isn't even out yet. Yeah, and it's crazy they've been releasing all this content for free if you bought in originally. Yeah, yeah. So like, and not only is it just a, a great game that is uh, so tightly paced and like beautiful, the game looks and sounds amazing. Um, it just keeps on giving. And while the uh, Plague Knight DLC wasn't super great, um, Specter Knight was almost perfect. Uh, arguably a better game than the original Shovel Knight. Um, and then that we've got these two more game modes, uh, coming like one's a full campaign and the other is like the multiplayer, like kind of tower defense thing. Um, or tower. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Um, I just shovel Knight for me is just, uh, absolutely my favorite game of 2014. Yes. Yeah, shovel Knight is something I picked up for the 3ds because you were enjoying it so much. Oh yeah. Um, at the time I found it way too hard. Yeah. And so it wasn't until later that I went back and like got further into it. And it is a really good game. But my pick for 2014 is yes. Super Smash Brothers for the Nintendo 3DS. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so at this time, I like I didn't own a Wii U. So the Nintendo 3DS was the only Nintendo platform I was playing regularly. And having Super Smash Brothers on it and having what felt like a fully featured Super Smash Brothers game that was portable was amazing. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. I, that was, I remember that year I got called to jury duty. 
and had to go to downtown LA. The Wi-Fi was broken, never got called. So all day I was just on my 3DS playing Smash Brothers. Yeah. Well, and like it's still a little bit i mean if if i'm if i have a choice between playing smash on my 3ds and playing smash on my uh switch i'll go switch i guess but like the fact that the 3ds uh is as as portable as it is like so effortlessly portable um like i still play smash on that thing if i have it in my bag and i'm like oh yeah it's just it it's an it's an evergreen always fun game yeah and amazingly it doesn't feel that compromised no not at all like i think the the biggest compromise in it is just controlling it with that like the circle pad thing instead of an an actual thumbstick but like i feel like you get over that pretty pretty quick um but yeah like i just i i loved that game uh on on that platform like it, it seemed uh like perfect for it and it seemed like a miracle right absolutely and the the parody that they were able to achieve between the two uh the 3ds and the wii u version like yes the wii u version has is prettier and it has bigger stages and different stages but the fact that every character that was in the wii u version was also available on the 3ds is just like super remarkable and all of the uh all of like the me and me fighter stuff and like there's uh being able to customize the character like move sets and all of the the me character move sets on the 3ds like that felt like the place where i would actually do that and the place where i did do that um i've told this story before uh, on the show but um i had created a me of andy daly so that i could make all of the all of his characters from the andy daly podcast pilot project as me fighters on my 3ds so like they're in there all using the same me so i've got chip gardner and dalton wilcox um and uh uh patty mcmahon and like it's it's uh just for me but i had so much fun doing it i also think it's interesting that it the smash brothers for 3ds and wii u is such a window into nintendo at that time where they were like oh no the wii u is not doing that well the 3ds is kind of like our bread and butter so any major release like this we kind of have to bring to both platforms yeah, and I mean that's sort of the beginning of the end for the for the Wii U. I mean, I I wonder if I mean it had kind of been approaching its its end anyway. Um, but I wonder if there was any world where they didn't put out uh, Smash on the 3DS, and they were like, if you want to play this new amazing Smash game, it has to be on the Wii U. It definitely feels like they were they hedged their bets by putting it on both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also crazy just how much content are in those those two games. I know. Uh, ultimate has um you know more um but like i i don't know the smash 4 was ultimate before ultimate right um there's just so much stuff in there good good pick mark i do wonder if they had made smash 4 for wii u only if when it came time for like the switch they would have just ported that game like they ported oh, Mario Kart 8. Interesting, And yeah. made it like a, Switch, a Smash for Switch, like Deluxe or something. Yeah, it just included the DLC characters and, and called it a day. Yeah, maybe. And they could have gotten away with it, too. Um, all right. Are you ready to move on to 2009? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, this, oh, man. So we're only three years into like the, the Wii's life cycle at this point, And already the lineup is starting to look like, what? Well, here's why I thought 2009 was so interesting. Yeah. Looking back on it now is we are three years into the Wii's life cycle. It's been a sales phenomenon. 
So you start seeing third parties get on board, but in the weirdest in way. In the weirdest way. This is where uh, Dead Space Extraction comes in. Uh, Dead Rising, Chop Till You Drop, a game I am fascinated by because oh I God. love the original Dead Rising. Yes. And so I, I am fascinated by the idea that Capcom was like, well, we've got to figure out a way to get this on the Switch. So let's take the Resident Evil 4 engine and like try to try like, so cram hard. the Dead Rising experience into it. It's not a very good game, but well, I think De- it's so interesting. Dead Rising is so like it is built on the backs of how look how many zombies are in this room. And I tell you what the Switch simply cannot do is that. <laughs> Um, but like they they put it out. I mean, and that's so. This is also where uh, like the Wii style of game um, is. You know, obviously Wii Sports came out alongside uh, the Wii three years earlier. But we see Wii Sports Resort and Wii Fit both coming uh, in this time too. And this is really where I'm like, that's a whole like corner of the Wii library that I'm like, I don't, I'm checked out of. Um, so when we get like a Wii Sports Resort level in uh, Smash or whatever, I'm like, okay, <laughs> I don't. Am I supposed to be like, oh yeah, man, cool? I mean, I just want to run down this list of yeah. random third-party games that I had not thought about in ages. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles: The Crystal Bearers. Yeah, okay. Silent Hill: Shattered Memories. Uh, Dead Rising: Chop Till You Drop. Deadly Creatures. Do you remember this game where you're like a a, a uh, tarantula and like a i don't know um a a cockroach or something i do not remember this (laughs) they're like fighting each other it was so weird okay it was such a weird time to be a nintendo fan because there was such a divide between like the 360 and the ps3 is for hardcore gamers right and so whenever there was a game that was focusing more on like i guess for totally lack of a better term, core gamers right. that w- was coming to Wii. It would get hyped up so much. You're talking about the conduit right now, aren't you? <laughs> well, in like IGN, it yeah. uh, they had their, I think it was still called Nintendo Voice Chat, like podcast, but it was Matt, what was his name? Like Casamacena? Cass- yes, exactly. And so Deadly Creatures, before it was got announced, got hyped up so much because he was like, there's a game coming to Wii that I can't talk about yet that is like aimed at core like gamers and so well, it's like what could this game be the and thing then it's is, like this like thq right like, random, weird thing. Like, yeah. the thing is nintendo is even like trying to a little bit have their cake and eat it too because they this is also the year they put out the metroid prime trilogy um so like that does a little bit feed that same base but like i'll argue until the day i die that metroid prime trilogy is the worst way to play the first two metroid prime games like and also 100% why they can't just uh, port that thing to Switch. Um, like, it's th- for me, this year is just filled with games that are, like, d- are flawed or don't make sense or are, like, marketed at not me. Yes, I mean, The Conduit, like you brought up already. Yes. Do you remember Mad World? Yeah. Is that, like, Platinum game that uh, has... It has oh, a black Billy and white West dude with a something? chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I bought this game. Um... Because I was, like, so caught up in the hype. Yeah. Uh, Sonic and the Black Knight was yep. out around this time. So, so much weird stuff. I think the second Resident Evil on-rail shooter, like, Darkside Chronicles, was released oh, this year. the sequel to the Umbrella Chronicles? Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, the, the one, like, Nintendo-y Nintendo game that came to Wii this year, or what I think of when I think of, like, classic Nintendo, is Super Mario Brothers Wii. New Super Mario Brothers Wii. Mm-hmm. Um, which 
is a fun game to throw a bunch of people at, but I wouldn't like I wouldn't even count it among my favorite new Super Mario Brothers games, which isn't a genre that I, <laughs> you know, like put up on a pedestal or anything. We were also probably about four years into the Nintendo DS life yeah, cycle, four, like four or five years, yeah. Um, and so like Pokemon Platinum, which was the third version of Diamond and Pearl, mm-hmm. was released in two thousand nine. And Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks was released in 2009, a game that I do not like. Yeah, I, I have written in my notes here that uh, both Spirit, Tra- Spirit Tracks and Scribblenauts came out in uh, 2009, both games that I was like very interested in and then felt that like neither of them totally delivered on the experiences that I was like hyped up for. Um, and I think I actually put in that same category... Uh, Mario and Luigi Bowser's Inside Story, which also came out in 2009, um, that like, like maybe like the best of these Nintendo games that we're talking about right now, um, but it's still kind of like a a middling effort, or at least one of those things that makes you go like, oh yeah, I I like Paper Mario and I like the original Mario RPG. This is somehow uh, lesser than. So Mark, I'm curious where. What, what what you pick for well, we haven't even talked about it yet yeah great because I love it. 2009 was also the like apex of the guitar hero slash rock band absolutely life cycle. and this was the year that the beatles rock band was released and, and this is my yeah. game of 20 2009 wow wow um i loved yeah like i mean i like guitar hero 3 uh i me and a friend would like play guitar hero Way late into the night when Rock Band came out, it was like a revelation. Yeah. Um. But when the Beatles Rock Band came out, I thought it, gaming did not get any better than that. Well, I mean, because here, here, here is the thing about uh, Rock Band and Guitar Hero generally is that you go into it liking maybe 20% of the songs in there. And by the time you're done playing it, you like maybe half. Um, but if it's all Beatles songs, like that percentage goes up like triples basically um so yeah like having a rhythm game where you know you like all the music and where like there's just a less less of a focus on like dumb shredding or whatever um where like even a guitar solo is going to feel good instead of feel like you're just jamming on buttons yeah and like you know sure you're playing the sitar with your like whatever man guitar type thing but no, it was uh, I, I it was awesome. It was definitely the height of those rock band slash guitar hero games for me. Um, I believe that is also the year that DJ Hero came out. Um, and while DJ Hero, uh, from a gameplay perspective, is a disaster, there's some fun mashups in there. Um, uh, for this, I I uh, I cheated. I got to go off campus. 2009 for me is Batman Arkham Asylum. <laughs> Well, I didn't know we were cheating. I had to. I I looked at the field and I said, I can't with any of these. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, are you ready to move back to 1999? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> we're in the height of Pokemon Mania. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon had a crazy year. Um, so uh, Pokemon Yellow comes out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Pokemon Snap comes out on the Nintendo 64. And Gold and Silver come out on the Game Boy Color and Pokemon Pinball. I also think Pokemon like Coliseum 2 or something also comes out on the Nintendo 64. 100 different <laughs> Pokemon games came out in 1999. Um unfortunately, I had just slipped off of Pokemon at this point. Um like I was there for uh Red and Blue and uh 
by the time any sequels came along, I was already checked out. What what about you, Pokemon wise? Yeah, at this point, like I, I I never owned a Game Boy Color. My like sibling, my younger siblings owned Game Boy Colors. Yeah, and they were much more into Pokemon, like the trading card games, than I was. Um, so they had Pokemon Yellow. I played way more Pokemon Yellow than Red or Blue. Yeah, and then they also had like Pokemon Pinball and all that kind of stuff. So this was probably the most that I was into Pokemon at this time. Yeah. Um, and then on the uh, home console front, uh, we're talking Nintendo 64. Um, and I guess I'll, I'll just cut to the quick of what my, uh, my pick for this year. I'm going to be brave. I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to say it's Donkey Kong 64. Okay. Let's just lay the landscape. What kind of games it's Please. competing against. Yes. So this was the genesis of Mario Golf. Yes. Um, Mario Party was released in the U.S. in 1999. And the second one, I believe. Both oh, really? Came, both came out in 1999. And this was also the year that Super Smash Brothers, the original, was released. Yes. Now, I was never an original Smash Brothers guy. Uh, so, it, like, for me, that series doesn't start until Melee. Uh, and I know that people have a lot of fond memories of the original game, but that's just, just never been my experience. So I really like the original Super Smash Brothers. I like Pikachu was my dude, uh-huh. and it was the most powerful the Pikachu ever was. They totally nerfed him for melee on. Um, but it's not my choice either. Okay. Um, so it, do you want to talk about Donkey Kong sixty four? I'll talk about Donkey Kong sixty four um, because I believe that the game is currently unfairly maligned as uh, terrible when it is merely annoying. <laughs> And I will not take away from the game that it is annoying. Um, but if one of the promises of the Nintendo 64 was games can be like Mario 64 now, um, and no one ever delivered on that after Nintendo, except for Rare in a couple in uh, Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, and Donkey Kong 64. Do they put too many collectibles in there? Is there too much like backtracking and like reusing of or like reforcing you through levels to pick up different color bananas? Yeah, absolutely. But when the game is actually like engaging you on like fun terms, it is super fun. And here's one thing. So I I don't care for Donkey Kong 64, but I have not played it since I was very young and I got it. And it was like, wait a second, this isn't like Donkey Kong Country at all. Right. Which is like what the Donkey Kong that I was the most familiar with. But so having said that, and also basically like, tell me if I'm going wrong here. Yeah. Is that one thing I will give Donkey Kong 64 is that unlike Banjo-Kazooie, where it was just basically straight up a Mario 64 clone, Donkey Kong 64 took like a stab at doing something different. Well, and it took a lot of crazy chances too. Like it, it introduced a lot of new Kongs. It gave them all guns um i mean the the game is just so weird and varied um and like everyone has their own like little progression system there's a part in the game where you have to play the original donkey kong arcade cabinet um like and there's that you know kind of legendary final boss battle where you have to play as all five of the kongs in like their um in their crazy like transformations to like win a boxing match against King K rule, who is also giant. Like it's all so weird and uh, like ambitious that like, it's, it's crazy that this game was a Nintendo 64 game. Um, Like it seems just way too big for that time and for that era. And like, 
yeah, we, you know, we can ding it for all the things that we can ding a rare game for. Really, I mean, that's it, right? Like, it's got that uh, rare design aesthetic. It's got that rare, um, like, collectathon mentality. And, like, both of those are legit knocks against it. Um, but there is a surprisingly good, solid 3D platformer under all of it. One thing that's interesting about the or the Donkey Kong arcade part of that game is that I believe it was like an emulation of the arcade code. Yes. Which is which was not available on the uh, Nintendo platforms before that. Exactly, because there was like a like some sort of licensing disagreement or like lawsuit or something between Nintendo and the people who actually coded the um arcade version. Yeah. And so it's like missing like the like the home console ports have always been missing the like pie factory level or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's it's the second level, yeah. So the, for a long time, that was a rumor as to why like Donkey Kong 64 didn't show up on Virtual Console or anything is because they were worried about. <laughs> but the, then, uh, but like, then it did. So. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Put to rest. Okay, so my choice for 1999. Yes, is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. Wow, the original. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Nintendo 64. Yes, an interesting place to play it. Where? Uh, it was the only console I owned. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that. Yeah. Did, did it have all the music that? I, I have no idea. Yeah. I'll never know because Great I never question. played like the PS1. I can't imagine it did. That being said, love the soundtrack to Tony Hawk Pro Skater. <laughs> it's such a like time capsule. Oh, yeah. I mean, where else are you going to hear Goldfinger's uh, Superman? I mean, for example, Pacific Sunwear. Yeah, there you go. I mean, in 1999. <laughs> question Does Pacific Sunwear even exist it outside does. of 1999? No way. <laughs> because there's one in the Glenda Galleria. Huh. We should go sometime. Okay. <laughs> But they changed their name to Pac Sun, right? I mean, I think it's always been, even in 1999, mm. like it was, you would call it Pac Sun. Um, yeah, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, good pull, and and not something that I associate with Nintendo though. Like for for me, um, that's a very PlayStation game. Um, and not, not that uh, I, I was playing it, but that whenever I had friends who were playing it, it was always it was usually Tony Hawk's Pro Skater two. And on PlayStation. Yeah, this is kind of like a Donkey Kong Country thing for me, where I'm sure I'm sure for people who played all of Don uh, Tony Hawk Pro Skater, that like the second or third one are considered the better games. Yeah. But um, I put the most time into Tony Hawk Pro Skater One. Yeah. And so like when I would rent the second game or something, it just never felt the same to me because I wasn't familiar with the levels. Like, Even when you could stuff. play as Darth Maul? <laughs> Even when you could play as Darth Maul. Speaking of Darth Maul, I did <laughs> want to do a little honorable mention to Star Wars Episode One Racer, which came out in 1999, the day before Phantom Menace came out. What um, a dream. Well, yeah, craziness, right? Um, and it's also one of just like the better things to come out of uh, Phantom Menace is this pod racing game that has neither the term pod race or the name Phantom Menace in it. Is this crazy? The name of this game is Star Wars Episode One Racer. It seems that nuts. is crazy. It seems nuts to me. I wonder if like they didn't know the name of Episode One. Is this around the time where? Oh, okay, sorry. Let me back up. Yeah. Is the Phantom Menace before it was known as the Phantom Menace was the development of the prequels and being called Episode One when we started referring to the Star Wars movies at, by like Episode Blank? versus their titles uh i mean i know that uh a new hope was both called a new hope and uh episode four a new hope 
after its initial release. But what I'm saying is growing up, I was never like, oh, yeah, episode four, episode five, episode six. Yeah. It was it, always, a, you know, Star in, Wars. In fact, I Empire probably called them one, two, and three, really, if I was, like, going for shorthand. And then Return of the Jedi. Here's another fascinating thing. The name Ewok, never mentioned in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, and Wicket, never mentioned in Return of the Jedi. We just, like, or Sith. Yeah, never or, mentioned or those Palpatine first three movies. In the first three movies, we all just like knew it existed because of the toys or something. Yeah, well, I mean, that's those movies exist like to sell toys, so like it makes perfect sense. But yes, episode one, episode one racer, uh, yeah, like a a, a totally um, competent racing game, felt fast, um, and looked pretty good. Super weird that they didn't call it pod racing. I wonder if it's one of those. You know how like George Lucas. Um, in any interviews with him, he never calls them lightsabers. He's just like laser swords. Yeah, sure. I wonder if it's that sort of thing where like he never would refer to it as pod racing. Right. The he just calls people it, came up with pod racing. He just calls it racing. Yeah. They're like George, it's pod racing. He's like, I don't. They're racing. It's not to me. <laughs> um. All right. Are you ready to move on to mm-hmm. 1989? So this was a hard one for me. This was very hard for me because there are so many good and or exciting candidates. Oh, that's interesting, because I found it kind of, like, thin, gruel. Oh. So, 1989 is big because it's the Game Boy's launch. Yes. Right. So, uh, he, possible contender for this is Tetris on the Game Boy, because it's the perfect game and platform synergy. Perfect. Yeah, I'm putting my cards down. This is my pick for 1989. Oh, yes. Okay. It is by far the game that I put the most time into on my Game Boy. Yeah. I just I love Tetris and I love Tetris on the Game Boy. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's 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 the perfect. It's what made the Game Boy sell the way it did. What made Tetris sell the way it did is that these two things were perfect together. Um, so what I was noticing in 1989 is that there are uh sort of two big things happening uh in in ways that uh feel very meaningful to me. One is that we get these games that are sort of the uh, like groundwork for like every retro inspired game um, it pulls on games from 1989, including Castlevania three Dracula's curse, Mega Man two and Ninja Gaiden. Um, these are pillars. If you look at any retro inspired game that has come out in the last 15 years, it is pulling from one or all three of those games. Like they are foundational. 1989 is a foundational year in video games, especially for side-scrolling video games. Well, I mean, it's also when Capcom's DuckTales came out. Yes, so that's my pick. Uh, and because the the second pillar here is that this is when I, I feel like you start to really see cool licensed games that I'm interested in. Um, the original Batman, the video game on the NES comes out in 89. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comes out in 89, as does the ar- the port of the arcade game, um, of the Turtles arcade game. So, like, it's all of these, like, that's when they're like, oh, yeah, we can make, we can make cool games with these licensed properties, and we're having all of these, like, genre-defining and, like, uh, you know, game, this is what retro games are. And then here comes DuckTales, which is both. It's a thing that you care about and it's and when I say you I mean me. Um it's a thing that I care about and it is like a form of gameplay that is basically perfect. My game of 2014 is Shovel Knight, which heavily borrows from Mega Man 2, from Ninja Gaiden, and from DuckTales. So like 
as, so it was five years ago as it was 30 years ago, as far as I'm concerned. Just a couple of other games that I yeah. want to mention from 1989. Super Mario Land was also released as a Game Boy launch title. And uh, Dragon Warrior, oh. the first Dragon Quest game, was brought to the West as Dragon Warrior by Nintendo. And then you could get it, like get it for free with your Nintendo yeah, Power they subscription. They just sent it because they could not sell it otherwise. Nope. <laughs> um, man, that that's crazy. Uh, th- I, I I was blown away by how many of these games came out in in '89. Uh, it makes it feel like a very important year. And obviously, these are all like smaller than um, the the games that we're talking about from basically any other year. Um, but like that is some influential stuff there. And I think it's interesting that all the ones that we mentioned were like third party games. As well. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting. Uh, so, you know, Konami and Capcom uh, had, 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 had a good couple of years here. <laughs> um, all right, Mark, let's, uh, let's close out this discussion. I'd love to hear everyone else's polls because this was, it, it's, it's a tough and interesting exercise. And obviously there are so many games to choose from in all these years. Uh, and I'm sure that we left out something important in one of these years. So if you would like to tell us about your favorite games from 2014, uh, 2009, 1999, and 1989, you can email us at nintendocartridgesociety at gmail.com. Um, and let us know because uh, this is a fun conversation. I feel like we could maybe have it forever. But let's not. Let's stop. Let's move on and do other things with our lives. Um, here's another thing you could do with your uh, life. You could rate, review, and subscribe uh, to, uh, this podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get uh, this show. If you like the episode, please share it. It helps us out tremendously. It's the only way other people are going to hear it is if you put it in front of them and say, well, listen to this. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MK Mitchell, and the show is at Nin Cart Society. Or you can check us out on Facebook. The page there is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Betty. You can get more of his music by going to 8BitBetty.com or by listening right now. For my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers defending Donkey Kong 64 and saying thanks for listening. Campfire.